Hey, thanks, Amy. Um, can I just say before I jump into the message, um, four and a half years ago, when I made the switch to come to North Point, in the bottom of my heart, my dream was that I would be a part of a church that worshipped and sang. And this morning, it, there was just this incredible sense of everybody involved in lifting God up. And that's very cool. It's, it's a, it, that doesn't happen every place. And I just, I want to encourage you, uh, man, there's a, there's a unique opportunity that happens. And it's not about Billy. It's not about Jamie. It's not about Tim. It's not about the band. It's about God. But when we jump in and give to God, when we participate, he does incredible stuff in us. And I just want to say thanks. Thanks for letting me uh, be a part of this. And thanks for letting me worship with you. Um, cool, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so we're in this uh, shift gears, heart, head, right? Um, uh, we're in this series called The Struggle, right? Uh, if you, uh, Hopefully you were here uh, last week. If you weren't here last week, I'm going to come back to this in a second. But um, my deepest desire is that you would go back and listen to last week's message on the app or on the website because it's foundational to what we're talking about today. Why is it that preachers talk about money so often? Why is it that churches have a bad rap that, you know, all they ever talk about is money? Why is it that Jesus talked about money so much. It's because our finances are a window into our soul, right? They reflect our value system in a clear and tangible way. I, um, over the years, I've done a whole bunch of weddings, whole, done a whole bunch of premarital counseling, done a whole bunch of marriage counseling. And one of the things that you hear in the media, you hear it lots and lots of places, is that the number one cause for divorce in marriage is what? It's money. It's finances. Um, here's, here's what I've learned after 35 years. I don't think it's about money at all. I don't think the number one cause for divorce is about money. It's always about something else. But money is where it shows up. Money is the symptom. It's not the root. So if you've got a couple, if I, man, if I, let me let me just jump into your living room right now. If as a couple you're struggling, you're fighting about money. It's not about money. It may be about communication. And if so, that'll show up in money. It may be about your values, competing value systems. That'll show up in money. It may be about selfishness. That'll show up in your money. It may be about, um, about uh, wanting, wanting what you want above the, others, uh, about, above the other person. That'll show up in money. Money is the window into our souls. It's the, it's the place that the symptoms show up of root problems that are in us. That's why Jesus talked about it so much. Um, finances are not the cause of our spiritual problems. If, if, if we've got a break in our relationship with God, it's not, about, it's not about money. We may blame it on money. Oh, if God would just give me more, I'd serve him more. It's not that at all. It's a symptom of what's going on in our heart. Here's the word for you for today in this series called The Struggle. The struggle is winnable. This is a message of hope. The struggle is winnable. You can do it. Today, we're going to talk about some nuts and bolts, practical stuff to help get you there. But in order for you to win that struggle, that financial struggle, the first thing is this. You've got to have a plan. 
You've got to have a plan to be able to deal with that. A plan, um, a plan, uh, we're going to, we're going to look at what that looks like uh, as we go through the message, but a plan without conviction won't get you anywhere either, right? It's not just about having a written plan out. That's great, but unless in your heart you say, I want to wrestle this to the ground, it's not going to happen. Um, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have conviction. Jesus said this about having a plan. He was talking to a large crowd. Uh, uh, they were traveling with Jesus. Jesus said, if anybody wants to be my disciple, he's got to give up everything. He's, he's got to give it all up to follow me. And then he said this in Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to, com- to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and aren't able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Suppose a king is ready to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he's going to send a delegation, while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Jesus said, you know what? You've got to have a plan. You've got to think this through. If you want to accomplish anything, you've got to do the work ahead of time to consider the cost, to count the cost of what's going to happen. I want to share uh, just a really incredibly cool story with you this morning of somebody here from North Point. Would you welcome out Tim Rust right now? Woo! From backstage. Hello. Hi, Tim. Thank you for that picture. That's a... Pretty good representation. That's Tim actually. and Ashley and their kids. Uh, come to the front of the stage, all right? They're, they won't bite, all right? Okay. T- um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm Tim, tech director back there. Uh, grown up in church from the time I was born to now. Um, never really dug into that as a kid, as a teen. I was baptized in high school. Um, didn't really fully know what that meant at that time. Went off to college. And um, decide, there was a mission trip that happened um, right after I was done with college. And I went on that, felt a call into ministry. I was standing on a bridge in Germany, felt a call into ministry and said, nope, and went back um, to America and on with my life. Um, we came here 12 years ago, um, approximately, um, and really started to dig into what Jesus was in my life in that time. And really, it's been the last couple of years that I really started to take that relationship seriously. So you went back, you came back from this mission trip and, and this clear sense of call from God, and you went back, finished college. What's your degree um, in? I was, I was going back to an internship. That's all I had left. Okay. Um, degree in exercise um, physiology. Uh, so I work at Sparrow Hospital in uh, Lansing there. I'm doing stress tests, EKGs, all that kind of thing. So if you have a heart attack... You'll go see Tim, hop yeah. on the treadmill, do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, but he can't talk about that because of HIPAA, so That's uh, <laughs> he won't ever. I've never tell seen anyone. any of you there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so how's your job? You uh, love your job? Love is probably a strong word. Um, I, it, you know, I, I've done it because I had to um, for the family. We were single income for a long time. Um, we made the decision for my wife to stay at home with the kids until they went off to school. Um, so I did it. Um, and then we did the more series two years ago and that really hit me that I was not doing what I felt like I was called to do. Um, and it brought back all these memories of that, that call that I had in 2004, um, on that bridge where I said, no. Um, and we actually started meeting for 
breakfast to talk about that, that I was not fulfilled, I was not doing my mission here. So, so what came out of that conversation? Tim and I sat down, we, we met at Flapjack, and, and he said, I got this call to ministry, How, what do I do? I got this house, I got this job, got all this stuff, and yet there's this call from God, and I can't follow it, what do I do? Um, yeah, we were, um, the first thing that we talked about really was um, we dug into some financial stuff, and um, in, that, in that 10 years that brought us from getting married to um, sitting at that table, we accumulated debt, debt after debt, two credit cards, car payments. Uh, we were in a house that we owed more than it was worth. Um, and I, I started talking to him about wanting to do ministry. And the question was, can you do that right now with the debt load, with the money situation that you have? And that answer was absolutely not. I, yeah, the, the numbers just it, didn't, it didn't fit. Make, no. So what happened? Um, well, we... My wife and I, up to that point, um, my leading, <laughs> um, we were not purposeful in tithing. We were not purposeful in our plan. We were just day-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck, minute-to-minute at times. Um, and, and simultaneously with this more series, with those talks, we decided that we would purposefully tithe no matter what. Um, set, up the, set up the account that the first money was coming here. Uh, and we were not going to change that no matter what what happened. Um, was that hard? Yeah. Scary? It, scary. I, I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, and, and at the same time, um, my wife finds on Facebook that there's a realtor looking for houses in St. John's. That's where we were living at the time. Um, anybody want to sell your house? My, my rule always is everything's for sale. If you want to buy it from me. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I said, hey, reach out to this realtor. We'll, we'll put it up. So she comes out, does an appraisal. It turns out that it looks like we could make money on our house. Um, that ends up going into a, our best friend um, is a realtor, needs a listing to get him started. Uh, so he actually lists our house. And in that whole selling process, the, the house was sold in a couple months. Um, a house that I, did, I thought I was going to retire um, in <laughs> is gone. Um, taken away from us, it felt like. And so now I'm in the situation that our house is gone. We have nowhere to go. Um, so since this... you have all that money, you bought a mansion. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, no, it actually worked out that I was able to do a little bit of extra work outside of my normal job for some cheaper housing um, in a situation that allowed us to start to save some money. Um, and tithing's going on along with this. That tithe was there. Uh, Ashley ended up getting a job here as as a director for the children's ministry. Um, increased some hours with her with her job, and um, it, so so now what's it look like two years later? What's what's your situation? So, so two years later, um, I'm now starting in ministry, uh, <laughs> and in this two years since we sat down first for breakfast, we've paid off. Sorry. (laughs) I never thought I'd stand up here in this situation. Um, We've paid off $20,000 in debt, and we've put $15,000 in the bank. And it it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Um, Talk talk about that a little bit, why it doesn't make sense. 
I'm a micromanager, I'm a planner, I'm a detail-oriented guy. I've got spreadsheets that I can show you that would bore, bore every single one of you in here, color-coded and everything, um, to try to make sense of a plan. We've been purposefully um, financial planning this last couple of years, and I've got the purple line, and I've got the red line, and, and none of that matches up to the, the debt swing that we've had. The, I don't understand where that $35,000 came from. And it doesn't match up with my spreadsheets. <laughs> um, and, and in the meantime, what's happened at Sparrow? Um, Sparrow, I've gone down to part-time. Um, so now I'm working half the time that I was before. I'm half the time here. And that's weird. It, my identity's changing from that because as much as I didn't like it, there was identity there. Um, and it's just I'm finally able to not have the pressure on that role. Uh, I've, I've gone part-time. I've opened up time for, for God, for ministry, to, to lead in that area of my life. And, and the stuff that Tim's doing here, you guys don't see, because he works with sound, he works with the tech, he, work, he does, creates videos, all that kind of stuff that helps us worship. And, uh, and it's God's economy. Um, thanks so much yeah. for sharing. Would you, you stand up and cheer for the boy? <laughs> That was figurative, but I loved it being literal too. Uh, that, that's great. Um, so, so uh, Tim and Ashley's story. How's that? How's that fit for you? Uh, how's that apply for you? Let's let's just talk about what the plan might look like. How do you live out wrestling your finances to the ground, getting in control of your finances? It starts this. It starts with the budget. A budget isn't anything more than a spending plan. It's deciding before you get paid where your money's going to go when you do get paid. It's deciding ahead of time where your money's going to go. All right? Last week, I shared a, a statistic that said only two in five American families use a budget of any kind. It's got to start with a budget because you make the decision ahead where, where your money's going to go. Uh, once you make that budget or how you make that budget, start, uh, if you don't know how to do that, start with listing every expense that you have. Think first about what you have this week and then think about this month and then think about over the course of a year. Um, if you want to go back and listen to this later, let me, let me talk to you about potential places where you have expenses. Giving to God, whether you want to do that, uh, that, that's a great place to start. Uh, your taxes, that goes to the government. Groceries, house payment, car payments, credit cards and other debt. Utilities, gas, electric, water, phone, gas for your car, automobile maintenance, eating out, Gifts that you give at Christmas and for birthdays and showers and all that kind of stuff. Entertainment, sports, uh, movies, cable, Netflix, Hulu, um, house upkeep, the things that you do to take care of your house, um, cleaning supplies, laundry, all that stuff. All, all of your toys, the, the expense that fit in your toys, you, you know, the, the cottage, the boats, the, um, the snowmobile, the hobbies, the crafts, all that stuff. Vacations, savings, list all that stuff out. All of your potential expenses that you'd have over the course of a year and just start to itemize those. The next step that I'd recommend is that you prioritize those expenses then and, and, and separate um, between what's essential and what's discretionary. Just so we're clear, essential is the stuff that you have to have to live. Um, cable is not essential, right? 
You can live without cable. Netflix is not essential. Now, you want me to meddle for a second? I'd even say your cell phone may not be essential if you're way underwater, all right? Uh, if you're in trouble. But list out those things, prioritize them from top to bottom, the things that are most important, the things that are least important, and start to put numbers to those things. When you do that, I think what most of us will find is that debt is a very real problem. That there's this huge chunk of money that goes to credit card debt, that goes to car debt, that goes to all kinds of stuff. Uh, let me just talk for a second about debt in the context of what the Bible teaches. When the Bible teaches that we're in debt, when we're in debt, we're in bondage. We are slaves. Now, get the imagery in your mind of a slave. That's what debt does to us. Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower, the borrower is slave to the lender. Understand that when we borrow money from Chevy Chase or MasterCard, whoever that is, when we borrow money, we have an obligation to pay them back, right? That's their money that they have given us and we need to give it back. Um, they have a legal right to what we've borrowed, regardless of what's going on in our life. It doesn't matter if our kids need a new pair of shoes. They have the legal right to that money that we owe them. Um, Romans 13 says this. Paul's writing to the church in Rome, um, and he's actually writing in the context of uh, talking about taxes, but he says this, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves one another has, has fulfilled the law. Paul was advocating a debt-free life, right? Oh, no one, anything. Um, can we be on Now, understand that there's lots of pieces to this that I'm not going to get to in the next 15 minutes, okay? But I want to teach some big-picture concepts that are there, okay? Um, and I want us to just be honest with each other here for a second. For most of us, we take on debt because we want things that we, don't, that we can't afford, and we want them right now. Bottom line, when we use plastic, when, when we buy a car that we don't have the money for, it's because we want it right now and we can't afford it. That, understanding that, that's a fundamental piece in this whole big picture. Um, sometimes there's debt for lots of other reasons. So you co-sign a loan and the, and the person that you co-signed with backs out. Sometimes there's a catastrophic health issue. Sometimes you might even inherit debt. Uh, you know, there are all kinds of reasons, but it's usually because we buy without a plan. Um, I, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to go in a scary place right now, okay? Because for most people who are probably 40 and under, uh, one of their biggest pieces of debt may be student loans. If you're 20 or under, let me say this, or if you've got parents with kids that are that age, student loan debt often is about that same principle, that we want what we want right now, um, whether we can afford it or not. There are ways to work your way through college without having that debt. That's tough. That's hard. That's not the way our culture looks or thinks. But let me challenge you to kind of rethink that. And let me say this. If you have, if you, if you have, if you're carrying student loan, um, I, I want you to just think for a second about back when you were in college. Um, once you get a student loan, rarely is that loan only for 
the academic classes and stuff. Once you have the loan, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can buy this for my friends. I can go on this road trip. I can go do that, right? Anybody, someone shake your head and nod and say, yeah, that's true. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're looking at student loan debt that's 60000 or 100000 or $150,000. Um, if you're in debt, it takes a plan to get out. Tim and Ashley's story is so great because it takes a plan to get out. We've got some resources, and here these resources, they are as important as anything I say today. Um, Financial Peace University is a class that we offer uh, every year periodically. Uh, it starts at the end of January. If you're in trouble, hear me. Sign up for Financial Peace um, uh, you can do that through our website, through our app. You can do that through the Financial Peace website. Go in, and they will give you great tools to attack debt. They, uh, Ramsey teaches a thing called the Debt Snowball that's an incredibly effective tool to help, you, to help you wipe out debt. Crown Financial Resources is another uh, resource that can help you um, wipe out debt. You don't want to do FPU, uh, go, to, go to Crown Financial Resources and look at the resources that they have. As a part of North Point, you have a subscription to, to Right Now Media, which is a, a support system that we have for the church that has all kinds of um, teaching on all kinds of stuff. It has an incredibly huge um, set of information to help with finances, financial management, and debt. Um, if, you, if you don't know how to do that, talk to Chris. Um, set a, he'll, he'll make sure that you have a, that you can sign on and get a, and be a part of that. The bottom line is that to get out of debt, it takes a plan. And let me let me give you uh, what I think the seven parts to that plan are. The first thing is to pray. If you're, if you're in debt and you want to get out, you got to start by praying. Um, otherwise, you're doing it all in the flesh, and it's going to take lots longer and be lots harder. The second thing is it's going to take is a ruthless commitment. I mentioned this before. If you want to get out of debt, it's not going to happen by accident. You are not going to wake up one day and say, oh, man, how did I pay off that $35,000? Unless God's in it, right? It's going to take a ruthless commitment and, and a reorganization of your finances. Third thing, develop an emergency fund. While you're paying off debt, you've got to have some kind of background, some kind of pocket, some kind of emergency fund that's there so that when you blow a tire or, or um, when, when something happens and all of a sudden you need a few hundred dollars or, or more, you've got money to be able to do that and you don't turn around and increase the debt more. Develop an emergency fund. The fourth thing is this. Give in the way that God prescribes. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Don't try and eradicate debt and leave God out of the picture. It will not make sense. I, I love Tim's story in that he said, you know what, we made a commitment to give, no matter what, even though they had all this debt, even though they had this sense of call, we're going to give to God and trust that he puts things in order, and he does in an incredible way. Um, the fifth thing uh, is to decrease expenses. That's like a no-duh, right? Spend less, and that'll, that'll help you get there. Um, uh, learn how to say no. Can everyone say no for me right now? Do you want this? Do you want to buy this? It's really pretty. <laughs> the no's got less and less each time. You've got, you, we've got to learn how to say no, right? We've got to decrease our expenses. The sixth thing is to sell stuff. My guess is it doesn't matter if you live in an apartment, if you live in a house, if, uh, uh, wherever it is. 
You've got extra stuff that's sitting around not doing anything. So find a way to sell it. You know, even if it's just for a few bucks, those few bucks applied to the debt will start that process of getting you there. You can use Craigslist. You can use, um, you know, the community page. You can use uh, eBay, any of that stuff, sell stuff. The seventh thing is to increase your income. Uh, uh, increase your income where you are currently by taking on an additional responsibility, working overtime and that kind of stuff, or getting a part-time job. Just uh, taking that and and using that specifically to help um, buy down the debt. Debt chokes out your ability to do most anything that you want to do. Debt is the thing that, that keeps you from writing a check for your friend or your neighbor when they're in trouble. Debt is the thing that keeps you from being able to give to God the way that you want. Debt's a killer. Um, and and we've, we've got a, we've got a, debt keeps us from saying yes to God. Debt is what keeps us from being able to go on a mission trip, to be able to be involved in ministry at a, at a greater level. Um, this, is, this, is, uh, this is personal for me. It's personal for me um, in, individually in terms of our family, where we've been and the struggle that it took for us to get out of debt. It's personal for me as a church. Um, many of you know, we've, we've talked and, and announced that we're going to do a special offering on the, f- on the first Sunday of May. Um, we're calling that offering all in um, because it's, um, it's going to take all of us to be a part of that. That offering is not so that we can say, oh, we're so great. It's because every stinking month, We give $11,000 to the bank, $11,000 that we could use for ministry, and that drives me crazy. That's $135,000 a year. With that $11,000, we could make an impact here in mid-Michigan in an incredible way. With that $11,000 a month, with that $135,000 a year, we could plant a church. We could be part of a team that plants a church every year here in mid-Michigan or in the U.S. and plant a church in partnership with Compassion International in some other part of the world that has no church, no presence of Jesus in an incredibly poor area. We could do that every year when that debt's eliminated. $135,000 a year. That it, it is, it's a chain that holds us down. And it's true for us as a church. It's true for, for you individually. Um, next week, next week, uh, I'm, I'm going to be gone. The elders are going to be gone. We're on a retreat. And as part of that retreat, we're going to spend a tremendous amount of time talking and praying and saying, God, what is it that you, what, what is it that you want to do through North Point? If he provides the money, the $750,000 on, on May 5th, what specifically will we do? A part of that conversation also is to have us ready to be able to say, you know what? If somebody gave us a quarter of a million dollars or a half a million dollars or a million dollars, what would we do with that? We want to be, we want to be ready. Uh, do I expect that? Um, you know what? We haven't prayed for it and we haven't prepared for it. So I don't expect it right now, but we need to start praying for it and we need to start preparing for it so that we're able to say, if God provides the, the means, we got a plan ready to go to say, yeah, this is exactly what we do um, to impact the kingdom in a huge way. Um, back to the plan. 
You've listed all your expenses. The next next step that you've got to do is make a list of all your income. Think about the income that you have from your job, any overtime you can work, any hobby income or stuff that you might do, uh, alimony, child support, any of that stuff, government dollars that might come in for some reason or another, side jobs you can do. List all that income. And then compare the list of expenses and the list of income. If your expenditures are larger than your income, you got a problem, right? Something's, something's got to change. change. You have one of two choices. You can either increase your income or you can decrease your spending. It's, it's that simple. This, this is like such a deep sermon, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's uh, just basic stuff. If, if there's a delta there, you've got to either increase your income or de- decrease your expenditures. In this whole process, let me, let, me, let me bring God's word back into this conversation to help bring perspective. Paul wrote this to Timothy, a young preacher. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Perspective. Everything we have comes from God. So as, as, you, as you do your stuff, where does tithing fit in, that, in, that, uh, in your budget? Let me, let me just do a three-minute big-picture thing on tithing. Um, tithing represents who's first in your life. It's a, it's, a, it's a demonstration to say, God, I want you to be first. I want, I, it, it is, back to last week's message, it is our by-faith offering. I'm going to give by faith, trusting that God will bless the rest. Um, hear me in this. Is tithing a requirement for you to be a part of North, North Point? No. Is tithing a requirement for you to be a follower of Jesus? No. But I think that there's, that, that there's something great that comes when we look at Scripture and then begin to ask, how's this fit my life? Understand this. Tithing predated the law. Before the Mosaic law with the Jews was initiated, before Moses gave the law from God to the Jewish people, tithing Existed Abraham in Genesis 14 tithe uh, he tithed out of, out of the the uh, the uh, stuff that he had gotten out of a war um, Jacob in Genesis 28 tithes out of God he says God if you provide I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you the first tenth of everything that I have um, tithing Malachi 3 includes a, a, an incredible promise. Um, God says to his people, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for it. Don't miss this. We don't give to get. That's that's not the way scripture works. That's not who God is. We can't manipulate God. But God says this, if you trust me, I'm going to take care of you. The the interesting piece to me about the Malachi 3 scripture that I think is maybe even more relevant than than Malachi 3.10 is what happens in Malachi chapter 1. Go home this afternoon and read Malachi chapter 1 because in it, God speaks through Malachi to the Jews and says, I'm talking really fast, aren't I? Um, (laughs) Sorry about that. It's so much I want to say. God says through Malachi to the Jews in chapter 1, hey, here's the deal. My people 
these people that I've chosen, you're bringing me sacrifices that are lame, that are blind, and that are wounded. You're bringing me your leftovers. And that doesn't cut it. I won't accept it. Check it out in Malachi chapter 1. That's the context, ultimately, that he comes down to in chapter 3. Anytime that you read the Bible, you've got to ask three questions. Who wrote it? Who did they write it to? And on what occasion? So, the, so when we talk about tithing in the Old Testament, the, the questions that are there, who wrote it, why did they write it, and, for, and on what occasion? Um, Malachi 3 was written by Malachi. It was written to the Jewish people, not to us, to communicate a, a warning and a promise from God. Okay, that's, that's there. That makes great sense. That's, it's not a requirement. It's not a bondage thing at all for us. But the questions that we ask are, what's that teach us about God? And what's that, um, and how does that apply to me? I think it teaches us that God has said, when we trust him, he will provide for us. And he will bless us in ways that we can't even imagine. I think that's the truth that's there. I, um, I think that, uh, I think what God teaches in Malachi 3 and Malachi 1 is that we can't give sloppy gifts to God. We can't give leftover. Again, back to last week's message, God's first. He's, he can only be first. And so we give our best to him. Um, if you're in crisis this morning, if your finances are in crisis, if your marriage is in crisis, don't miss this. Tithing is not a Hail Mary pass to try and win the game. It's not like, oh, <laughs> things look really bleak. If I just tithe, God's going to put every. It, that's not how it works. Tithing, uh, football illustration coming, okay? Um, tithing is the offensive coordinator scripting out the first 15 plays of the game and say, these are what you're going to run. These are the plays that you're going to run that's going to set the stage for the, for the rest of the game. That's what tithing is. It's, it's not a last-ditch effort to try and salvage things. It's, it's a principle that gets lived out in our life. If you want to use proportionate giving uh, in there, that, that's cool as well. Um, one last thought. When you die, what will be your legacy? What will, what will you leave for people to remember you? What kind of footprint will you leave? Um, I've, I've, a long time ago, I, I talked about my aunt. Um, I've, I've got an aunt that lives in Columbus that has tickets to the Ohio State Buckeye football team. Um, part of her legacy is her commitment to family. Um, she had, she ended up having some resources and, and she gave to each of the nieces and nephews, their spouse, a trip with my aunt and, and her husband, my aunt and my uncle, anywhere in the U.S. Um, about 20 years ago, she made the decision to do that. It was incredibly cool thing to do. Deb and I ended up being able to go outside of the U.S. We ended up being able to go to Brazil with Aunt Lynn and Uncle Jeff for, for, uh, for 10 days. Incredible legacy. Aunt Lynn's tickets to Ohio State, she invites a niece or a nephew, a family member, to come watch every game with her. She has two tickets. That's a part of her legacy. It's to build family and value stuff. What's your legacy? I, I, I want to encourage you to think about that financially as well. Is the legacy that you're going to leave a legacy of debt? 
is the legacy that you're going to leave uh, a legacy of what you value most. Two weeks from tomorrow night, we're hosting a seminar by Financial Planning Ministry that's designed to help you create um, a trust, so a living trust that you can make changes in all the time so that when you die, the government gets less of your money and, that, and so that you can make a, a choice about giving some, some part of your estate to kingdom work, maybe to North Point, maybe to a Christian college, maybe to a ministry that has impacted you. They'll help you do that. And I just want to encourage you to take, uh, to take advantage of it. It's free. The work that they're going to do is free. You can go and just find out what it's all about. Um, you can sign up on the website, sign up on the app. Um, that happens two weeks from tomorrow night. Um, what's, the, what's the plan for over, overcoming the financial struggles that we have in our lives? that we all experience, it's this, store up treasures in heaven, right? Store up treasures in heaven. It's not, it's not invest in all of our time, resources, everything in what's going on here. It's, it's seeing things with, with the eternal in mind. Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and rust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. The struggle for us to be good stewards of our financial resources is real. It's real for me and Deb. It's real for each of you. That's something that we struggle with. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's something that Satan wants to grab hold of and, 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 um, and beat us up with. It's a battle to do the hard work of budgeting. It's a battle to eliminate debt. It's a battle to give to God first and trust him with the rest. But we've got to count the Count the cost. We've got to count the cost and say, what is it that we really want? Billy Graham said, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of his life. Couldn't agree more. Hope you'll be back next week. We're going to spend a tremendous amount of time next week praying about this matter, about this issue. Let's pray. God, uh, I, I thank you for your word and that you care about every aspect of our life. God, that you teach us um, how to live. Guide us, Lord. Help us to be generous. Help us to see with your eyes. Help us to, to, to recognize all the time that everything we have comes from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing.